Hello, and welcome to another episode of the SIRS Group Podcast. I'm Barbara. And I'm JC. And today, we are going to tackle the topic of possible exposure sources, sneaky ways that you can get inundated with biotoxins. So we're going to cover all those fun possible scenarios today. But before we do, just a quick reminder that we are not medical professionals. We are SIRS patients. We run a community of people recovering from SIRS. We also read the SIRS textbook, but none of this should be taken as medical advice. So this was actually a listener request on a YouTube video. They said, I just wish they would talk about your car being a potential exposure source. And it's so true because in the Shoemaker Protocol, the only clinically proven path to healing from SIRS, the first step is really remove the exposure. So for most people that are that's going to be the biotoxins, mycotoxins, actinos, or endotoxins. So typically you're exposed by your environment. Other people can have biotoxins like Lyme or Fisteria, those kind of things, which isn't as relevant to the conversation we're having right now. Um, but in terms of like where you can be exposed to those things, I think most people initially consider their home but not necessarily those more niche potential exposure sources that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And the biggest one, if you don't work from home, is obviously your workplace. Um, and this can be a lot of different things. It can be a terrible building with bad maintenance. So there's water damage in the building you work. And of course, you're breathing that in and existing, you know, potentially eight or more hours a day in that building in that setting. So that can be huge. Uh, but I've also seen members where their job is just so toxically stressful and terrible for them. Oh, and it's also at a construction site, you know, or something like that, where there are other chemicals and issues and things around them that they're surrounded by, plus that crappy, stressful, again, just gross workplace kind of environment. Like all of that can definitely affect and worsen your SERS symptoms. So if you think that your workplace might be a source of exposure, one, you can test. So you can totally take one of that envirobiomics tests and test your workplace. And what I would do is I would then talk to my employer if it came back with, you know, there are biotoxins here. I would talk to my employer about some sort of accommodation. Can I work from home? Can I work in a different environment for the same company? Are they willing to work with me? And We've seen some employers be really cool about this. My own employer is really cool about this. We do an annual trip offsite and they asked me to kind of review the specs of the hotel to make sure it was going to be okay with me. It was not okay for me, by the way. Um, that that was me totally taking a risk on the environment for just a couple of days. And I'm, you know, post-treatment enough that I knew I could do my maintenance plan and be okay. Um, and I've also seen someone in our group, she worked in a warehouse and she brought it up to her employers and she's actually working from home now. So they completely transitioned her role to something that would be more accommodated. So some some employers are cool, and I think that's a good sign that you should continue working for them if you like the company and they are willing to accommodate you. Um, but like you said, sometimes the vibe is just off. Sometimes it's time to move on and kind of try and look for other workplace, other place of employment, or to pitch the next SERS group class that's going to be in our group. Barbara is going to be sharing um, some, I should let you talk about it uh, in terms of what it's going to be, but ways that you can kind of uh, take SERS or your employment into your own hands 
and turn it into something that you can give back to others with, but also potentially make a living off of. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, and it's cool. The one cool thing about being sick with SIRS and being surrounded by a bunch of people who are sick with SIRS is quite a few, a pretty high percentage, I would say, are actually interested in healing and then turning around and helping others through the healing process. Um, maybe kind of like we hopefully try to do uh, with this podcast and obviously the group, or maybe even take it further and become a nutritionist or a, a doctor or a nurse or, or someone else, uh, someone involved in the treatment process to help others. Uh, deal with this very complicated illness. So, uh, so that's certainly an option. But if that sounds like a whole different situation and thing that you're not ready for, then really just the prospect of looking for a new job while you're sick is a lot. That is a lot for anyone to deal with. Even if you're totally healthy, looking for a new job can be very stressful. Um, but definitely consider that as an option. You know, just look at job postings online. Uh, tell a few people that you're looking for a new job. Get your resume in order. Just do these little steps here and there to work your way towards maybe finding new employment if it turns out that your employer kind of sucks. And this is a really good litmus test for whether or not they suck. Because if they treat you poorly when it has to do with your health, how are they also treating you poorly when it comes to compensation, benefits, perks, everything else, vacation days, like all that other stuff. So it's something to consider and think about when you have the energy and ability to do so. Um, or it may even be a thing to prioritize if you know for a fact your workplace is a really big source of your biotoxin issue. Hmm. So workplace is probably the place you spend the most time outside of your home. But another place we tend to spend a lot of time just as, you know, people living in a modern society, and especially for us, I think, because we live in the Southwest where everything is spread out so far apart, time in your vehicle, time sitting in your car, commuting. If you are someone who takes public transportation, I know I've taken public transportation in the past, and I'm just going to assume there were biotoxins, quite honestly. But you can test your vehicle, again, with the same EnviroBiomics test. Um, you can also clean your vehicle, which I'm going to let you talk about. But at a certain point, it might get to the point where you just need to trade it in or let it go and look for a different vehicle to drive. Right. Yeah. And that's, uh, I did not decide to let my car go just yet, but I was a little bit concerned about its safety uh, for a number of reasons. Mainly it smelled a bit because I used to drive my very drooly dog around a lot in it and it just kind of never recovered <laughs> smell wise. So I thought that has to be bacterial. Uh, there has to be something going on there. So I did uh, have a company come out um, specifically Zero Res, which I think is uh, national, at least within the States. You could get them pretty much anywhere, but they will actually shampoo and um, like suck up all the grossness from all the carpeted areas of your car. So that could be a good thing to try. The nice thing about that company is they did have a guarantee on like the smell issue. So if I still smelled it after they did it once, they'd come back for free and do it again. And that is exactly what happened. And it does smell quite a bit better after the second time. And they did an extra good job the second time I noticed as well. So that was a good Thing that I've tried. I don't know if it was necessarily, again, a problem for me. I am going to get more blood work and, you know, see, see how I go. Obviously, if I continue to heal, that's a good sign that maybe it was worth it. 
But uh, yeah, you can definitely do something like that if you want to try to salvage your car and you're not totally sure it's a problem to begin with. For example, I knew mine was never like flooded for, mm. you know, like it, it never it, it never existed outside of, uh, you know, the Southwest uh, and it was never in any kind of like humid environment either. So I was pretty sure it's mostly safe. So we'll see. The next area you might want to consider are places you spent substantial amount of time in. So this could be places that you run errands or if you have hobbies, if you spend time in those locations. And then especially emphasizing places with a lot of water sources. Obviously, if there's more water, there's more potential for water damage. And so kind of the places I was brainstorming thinking of were like nail salons, you know, if they have the pedicure chairs and all, like each of those is a potential water leak source. Hair salons is another one. Gyms, especially if they have like steam room, indoor pool, like that sort of situation. It's just opening up the potential for water damage. So those are all places with a lot of potential for water sources, but it could also be like your local grocery store if they've had flooding problems. I know <laughs> shortly after being diagnosed with SIRS, I remember going to like an outside outlet mall in Colorado and we walked into one of the places and they just had buckets on the floor because there was water pouring through the ceiling. And I was just like, I should not be here right now. Oh, um, yeah. So like if you see those kind of signs in places that you frequent, especially like just clock that, clock that in your head and be like, OK, if I hit a stall, if I hit a plateau, here's one place that I could look into not going to in order to reduce my exposure. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll add for um, for gyms. Because uh, I know a lot of people realize that those big box gyms are always terrible pretty much every time. I think there's one time I went to a gym where they actually had opened up the floor and a pipe was pulled out because there was probably some kind of sewage issue. And I never returned to that gym again because, yeah. But uh, the gym that I found is more of a boutique gym. So it's a little bit more expensive per month, but not by much. And it is smaller. It's just, you know, privately owned, single location and it's very industrial looking which is like a trendy thing right now so everything's exposed the the hvac system all the pipes to everything the electrical conduit everything like you see it all it, and it's just like um like uh plywood basically at like on the and, and brick probably on the other side i don't even think the building's insulated uh, like i don't <laughs> i mean we're in las vegas so that's why we can get away with it but my point is you can really see everything. There's not going to be some like water damage drop ceiling that where you're only seeing a little piece of a really terrible problem. So uh, yeah, just look for look for little things like that. Don't give up hope that you'll be able to find some gym that works for you um, and some nail salon or hair salon that works for you. I know that's important to people to go do things. I am one of them. Um, but just, yeah, just just be aware. And notice how you feel when you walk into a place like that, especially if you've been there for an hour or so. And then the next exposure source is just considering the other people in your home, like your partner or your housemates bringing back biotoxins from wherever they go to. And this is especially for people who are super reactive, like people who are having histamine or MCAS like you are so reactive you're it, you're gonna first of all it's gonna be easier to tell <laughs> that's your biotoxin source because when they come in you're gonna have those reactions um 
And there are things you can do to mitigate this, right? Like you, you don't have to ask them to move out. Um, you could have them change their clothes when they come home, make sure their shoes are staying outside of the house, ask them to take a shower when they come home. So it is manageable, but just consider that as a potential exposure source and then come up with a strategy, come up with a way to manage that situation. Yeah, we've had some some members have tested themselves, not only themselves for Actinos, for example, but also their partner or whoever else is in the house, just to be sure of, you know, whether or not those are big sources of the issue. And of course, you can ask them politely to use a defense soap. You can buy it for them. I think, JC, you did that with your roommate. Uh <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have this thing, like I'm reacting to Actinos and it looks like it's high in our apartment. So I'm going to wash with this soap for the next four weeks. And I would really appreciate if you washed with it too. I already bought you a bottle and he was like free body wash suite. Yeah. So it was a pretty easy conversation for me, quite honestly. Nice. Yeah. And hopefully for, especially if the person uh, is like your your husband or wife or partner, uh, they love you and they care about your health and they want to uh, do what they can, especially if it's something they're doing anyway, which is showering, hopefully. Uh, they just augment that process just a little bit and help things out. Um, so, yeah. And then the last thing we wanted to talk about is your pets. So pets are precious. They are beautiful and wonderful, and we are not suggesting that anyone get rid of their pet at all, um, but they are potential exposure sources. One for endotoxins, they can carry things in on their little paw feet. So what I do with my dogs is I just take a um, tea tree wipe. It's just like an organic tea tree wipe. It's meant for human bases, but I just use it on their paws when we walk in um, and then brush them. Actinos, the bacteria you were talking about earlier, eat dead skin. And so anything you can do to make sure that their coat is well-maintained and they're not like super dandruffy or like shedding a lot of dander, um, that will all be super helpful in terms of making sure you're not exposing yourself. But then one thing we also know specifically about dogs is they can kind of, uh, what is it called, recolonize marcons in human noses. Yes. And before you blame dogs for that. There was a study done on staff, uh, which is related to Marcon's uh, in dogs and humans and their owners specifically. But the study included homeless dogs, dogs that are just out and not in, in um, not interacting with humans regularly. None of the homeless dogs had Marcon's or staff and, and quite a, and then about, I wanted to say like, what was it? A quarter of dogs. Don't quote me on the stats, actually. I'll just link to that study in the notes. How about that? But the dogs that did have uh, staff in their on their skin or noses, uh, their owner did as well. And the numbers matched up with the prevalence of SIRS, just saying. But uh, the issue with that, though, is like, so you're a human with Marcons. You give your dog a kiss or you even just hug the dog or whatever. That dog now has Marcons in their nose, too. And then you're busy treating Marcons, but you continue to kiss your dog. Well, you're just kind of like recolonizing, especially if your MSH is not raised so that you can fight it off. So that's just something to keep in mind. Uh, there are ways to treat Marcons uh, in both humans and dogs. You do want to seek the advice of a vet that hopefully knows about it. Um, and I will also link the study that uh, Shoemaker has done or at least his advice from survivingmold.com on how to deal with a dog with Marcons uh, in the show notes below. 
Well, we hope you enjoyed these different, considering with us, these different exposure sources that could potentially be stalling your treatment. Again, it's not necessarily something that you should hyperfixate on at the start of your SIRS treatment. I would definitely test my home. And if I spent a substantial amount of time in a workplace or a vehicle, I would probably test those as well. But if you hit a plateau or a stall in your treatment, or you know, you start the protocol and you're just not feeling better, definitely take a look at the, you know, those different places that you're going to or the different people or animals that you're interacting with. And those could be potential exposure sources as well. Good tips. And for more wonderful tips and support and information uh, like all that, you can head over to thesersgroup.com and join us over there. We'll see you there.